All right. Here we go. Quiet. Roll up. Hello and welcome to the Big Picture Podcast, where we take a look at the latest movie news, the films of today and yesterday, and put them all into some sort of context. Seated across the microphone from me in his Tron t-shirt is <laughs> Film Buff Online Editor-in-Chief, Rich Dries. Wow, thank you so much. And seated across the microphone from me is Film Buff Online Contributing editor Natasha Bogutsky. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you for uh, noticing the Tron t-shirt. Tron Legacy well, t-shirt. Well, it's a it's D it's Disney's um Disney Plus yes. day. True. So wearing a Disney t-shirt. Well, yeah, kind of thematical. Yeah, yeah exactly. We didn't get a Tron announcement, unfortunately. <laughs> and- Damn. <laughs> but um, we did get a few other things announced. I honestly though. I was not as impressed as like we were last year. When last they year had, was like all day. When they had the no, last year when they had the whole video thing and they announced like ten Star Wars projects and this and that. I mean, obviously we weren't going to get you know no, I just something mean, that big because you know they were announcing two you know up to two three years down the timeline. True, I, I remember you took the day off, <laughs> and I I think what did it start at like one o'clock or something, something like that? Yeah. And I remember calling you at nine o'clock, and it's still going. <laughs> oh God, yeah, that's right. That yeah, that was the Disney Investors Day, but that they had those big presentations and stuff like that. And that's what I thought I was getting. <laughs> yeah, no, this was this is much different this year. Although, ironically, yes, this is the anniversary. D- uh, Disney Plus went on the air, and as I was looking at my on this date thing in uh, Facebook, I saw that wonderful picture of me staring at. Um, Disney plus the Disney plus screen on my laptop trying to uh, desperately to open and connect because <laughs> because that first day it just like the whole thing just collapsed right in the right in the morning because I took that day off too yeah I remember I was I wanted to be there for um Mandalorian yeah and it took me like an hour and a half before I, I could watch the day was at lunch today around mm-hmm. what was it 1 30 ish Met an Indian restaurant sitting there trying to find the fucking live stream. <laughs> or at least trying to find the Obi-Wan trailer. That and I didn't have. I was getting there, oh, sorry. you jerk. Sorry, didn't mean to step on you there. Uh, hey, I think that was a I think that was a home alone reference. I just threw in there. <laughs> Look what you did, you little jerk. <laughs> yeah, so I think that's Uncle Which Frank. Which is appropriate. Yes, for, it is. <laughs> for Disney Plus Day, because they dropped that new Home Alone tri- uh, movie. With Yoki from yeah. Jojo Rabbit. Oh, my God. I'll watch it for him. Okay. He's great. S- sidebar for a second. How are we on, like, seven Home Alone movies? Five. I told you this last night. <laughs> it seems like, I don't know. It just is like, wait. The fact that you don't know how many there are means you've not seen them. I've watched, yeah, I've watched the first two. And after Trump was in the second one, I was out. I was out of the franchise. I was like, nope, I'm good. <laughs> I, I like, two is actually my favorite. <laughs> and as weird as it is, and it's probably a heresy, but I grew up. One and two came out before I was born. So mm-hmm. the first Home Alone film I was actually uh, introduced to was three, because that's the one that obviously came out after I was born. True, so true, true. That was the one I saw in the theater. Mm-hmm. And it does have a young um, 
oh god what's his name not ty burrell the the guy from uh the middle he was in the middle yeah i know i know who you mean yeah he yeah, was in that young yeah. scarlett johansson mm-hmm. was in that like uh, Olek Krupa, which I never get enough Olek Krupa. I think he's extremely <laughs> underused as the stereotypical Russian in every movie out there from X-Men oh. First Class to Salt to... <laughs> I, I don't even need to keep going True. on that. But, but I just... It's not Kevin, but it's it's a fun film. Mm-hmm. True. Okay. I'll take your word for it. Now, circle back. Lunch, you were looking for news today. Yeah, Obi Wan trailer that would fucking exist, but <laughs> yeah, I, I don't even know if there was anything else to that statement because you <laughs> finished it. <laughs> I, you you claim we have we share a brain and we finish each other's sentences anyway, so you can't really get too snippy with me about mm, this. You can get snippy when I was starting <laughs> in on a story about I, it. I apologize. <sighs> I, I I apologize. Um, but we just watched that 14 minute, uh, okay. First of all, my main problem with how they've done this is on Twitter and social media, they made just like generic announcements and they're like, go to Disney plus to see the thing. And which means you have to sign up for the subscription. Yeah. They're trying to sell you the subscription after you've already signed up and paid the money so you could watch the advertisement selling you the subscription really is what this was. Yeah. It's kind of weird. Yeah. It it made no sense. It should have been, they should have just dropped it on YouTube and Facebook and Twitter and Insta and let people watch like that 14 minute Marvel thing, which great editing of the stuff that we've already seen on Disney plus. And then a nice little, I wish I had timed it. What? Four minutes or so of, of Hawkeye? Yeah, it was a de- it was a decent three four minutes. Yeah, almost it, a complete oneer. That that insane yeah that insane oneer shot, of which them. was giving me Atomic Blonde vibes <laughs> in, in the car in from their mm-hmm. oneer. Um, but no, it was good. It was fun. There's a couple of other moments that I yeah we're just literally we just watched it like ten minutes ago and th- where I was chuckling through it. You know, you like, were oh. sitting on the edge of the uh-huh. sofa with was, your eyes wide and your mouth gaping open. I was just open excited and... to see new stuff, you know. No, uh, you were excited oh. about that one or going, how oh. did they film that? Oh, well, yeah, there's that. Yes. <laughs> because I know how your brain works. Mm-hmm. And if you're interested in the history of uh, oneers or actually complete one-shot films, we just ran a piece on Film Buff Online last week about it. So plug (laughs) (laughs) well it's let's just call it a nice coincidence that i can mention this okay um (laughs) from alfred hitchcock's rope all the way up through um a wonderful japanese movie i saw at the uh philadelphia film fest last month so some great stuff to uh read there and um but disney plus so we got that. We got a little bit of a look at Moon Knight. Yeah, a little Oscar of, Isaac. A little bit of Miss Marvel. A mm-hmm. little bit of She Hulk, which uh, it still absolutely makes me chuckle. Uh, the thought of Tatiana Maslany, who is an incredible actress. If you've not seen anything she's done, watch Orphan Black. You don't even need to watch all of it. Just watch the first season. Mm-hmm. It was enough to. Patton Oswalt raves about that oh, God, freaking yeah. show. Mm-hmm. Um, and you will see her play just seven to 
I think over the course of the series, 14 variations of the same person. Clones. But, uh, fuck. Amazing. <laughs> but the funny True. part is, she's like 5'2 or 5'3, and getting her to play She-Hulk is really funny I, to I'm, me. I'm very anxious to see how they do that. we got to... <laughs> glimpse of her but like just like arm and you know like arm, arm and leg butt and yeah. back <laughs> yeah but i noticed yes that's, but yes <laughs> however excuse me however comma the the outfit she was wearing that purple and white outfit is very reminiscent of one of her she hulks uh costumes from the comics i'm a, i'm so aware i've, I, I I've like seen them i've like seen that. a couple pieces of she hulk mm-hmm. comic stuff <laughs> <laughs> and um yeah, I might have to loan you a couple of trades if you want, if you're interested. Uh, let me see if I have the time for the trades. That's I still, I still haven't read the beautiful Kylo Ren series that came out years ago. I know it was that like I, two years at this point, I, right? It was pre-COVID, so probably two and a half to three, or somewhere in there. Yeah, no, it was it, no, it came out right, right after, after Rise of Skywalker, Skywalker so December 2019. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. it, yeah, it. it yeah, it's a four issue one because it came. The last issue came out right before COVID hit, uh-huh. uh, and then all the comic presses shut down for like six weeks or something like that, and there was no comics for like two months or something ridiculous. And I still like that. haven't read it. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. I almost got caught up on my to read pile uh, because of that, and now my to read pile is just out of control again. Of course um, it is. Well, I'll tell you why. One, I have a forty issue pile. Over in the Marvel comics, in the Star Wars, on their Star Wars comics, they did a giant crossover event called War of the Bounty Hunters, mm-hmm. and I was like, "Oh, this sounds like fun!" And there's like forty issues of it. It ran like five months. It was ridiculous, and I have the whole thing sitting there, waiting for me to find a day when I could sit down <laughs> and read the entire damn thing. And I don't think that's happening. Um, I also have got, and um, I also have got uh, the. <sighs> Still can't believe I have it in my hands, and it's oh actually the Buckaroo Banzai book. Yes, Buckaroo Banzai against the World Crime League by Earl MacRosh and the Reno Kid. The long-awaited for fans of the movie uh, novel follow-up that was promised of a story that was promised to us at the end of the original movie from 1984. The book is 600 pages, folks, and I'm I'm not rushing through it because I want to luxuriate in the prose there a little bit. I'm about 10, 15% into it right now, and I'm enjoying it. Okay. Um, there's a couple of sections that are a little a little lugubrious in their description, but that's kind of Earl MacRosh's style when he's writing in this mode. From, you know, if for those of you who've read the novelization of Buckaroo Banzai, which is, I think, one of, probably the, one of the best novelizations to any movie. Um, but then again, I haven't read um, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood yet, so... I've been hearing lots of good things in the hardcover of that drop this week. Oh, nice. With extra stuff that's not in the paperback. So. (laughs) (laughs) Christmas is coming soon, folks. So if you have a Tarantino fan in your life. (laughs) He says, looking at his friend on the couch. um, (laughs) He's dropping hints because I was dropping hints about the flea bag jumpsuit that has now come in navy and gray today. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah, you you were very excited about that in Messenger. <laughs> uh, yeah, because you've seen me wear the black one mm-hmm. <laughs> a lot, 
And it's yes. a, one of the most versatile pieces I own. Mm-hmm. And yes, I would love to get it in all the neutral colors. True. <laughs> Speaking of something else that's coming in from the past, mm-hmm. uh, it was announced this week that um, one of the original founders of Movie Pass is right. has bought the company out of bankruptcy and is looking at reviving it next year at some point. Um, again, this is something we, you know, we posted. We could have used this. We literally could have used this three to four months ago when all the backlog of movies <laughs> is hitting us at one time. True, true. Because I know this week I caught up on um, two or three films at the cinema within the past week. And I'm going to see a, a, I'm going to see Halloween Kills for the second time tomorrow. True. I mean, what I, this past week alone I did Suri Ganchi, which is um a Bollywood film that I was really looking forward to. Uh that was supposed to come out in like April of 2020. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that so obviously that had been delayed for two years, almost two years it feels like. Yeah. Um, and then I did that as a double feature and followed that up with Spencer, which is our movie that we're going to be reviewing in a little bit. Yeah. And then I, um, I, I'm, I'm doing Halloween kills with you guys tomorrow mm-hmm. night. And then Sunday, I think I'm heading out for French dispatch, which I still haven't gotten to. I got to French dispatch this week in place of your Surivanchi. Uh, I know. I and, know. uh, and then <laughs> followed it up the next day with Spencer, mm-hmm. um, yeah, and we both did Eternals last Friday. <laughs> oh, gosh, yeah, that's right. Eternals last Friday. And uh, I think also on Sunday, which, um, depending on how quickly I can turn this around, might be passed. I do apologize if you were hear this and go, oh, that sounded interesting. Uh, Fathom Events is showing on High Society, High Society yep. for their six 80th anniversary of that? I, I can't remember. But... Um, that's a film I've always loved. It's always brought a smile to my face. Um, my parents at their wedding, at the reception, danced. Uh, their first dance was to True Love from the Aww. movie. And um, a friend of ours who um, passed away a few years back, uh, oh. uh, he and I used to love to do our best slash worst um, Bing Crosby and Frank Sinatra impersonations and sing Did You Ever all the time. <laughs> um, and you know, Which one were you? Uh, usually Bing. Boop, 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 boop. <laughs> and uh, I said they weren't great impersonations. I figured he would be Bing. <laughs> <laughs> well, we kind of bounced back and forth. We Sometimes we would trade parts in the middle of the song. Oh, I wish there was video. I wish there was too. I really do, just to kind of rewatch that. Oh. Um, but, you know, so I, I want to go see... I've never seen High Society on the big screen. It's a movie... Oh, wait, no, I'm sorry. I lie. I did see it once on the big screen. I drove up to um, um, to New York, upstate New York. Um, a theater was showing a revival screening of it, and Celeste Holm was there wow. to do a Q&A afterwards. And oh, hell, if Celeste Holm was there, <laughs> I would pull her aside and talk all about Eve with her. <laughs> see what I did there? <laughs> yes. Um, and, you know, bless her heart, I think she was like 108 at the time. Oh, God. Whatever. I wouldn't even but, bother her then. <laughs> but no, she, afterwards, you know, she was uh, kind of like, in, it's an old, it was an old school, you know, started off as a vaudeville house, single screen, 
theater. I love places like that. Oh, and it was yeah. So it had like the uh, ba- uh little box balcony seats, and they had yes. her up in one of the box balcony seats with a um, with a microphone, and you know somebody was down on the floor going, you know with another mic, you know, for the people mm-hmm. asking the questions. And I think there might've been somebody there next to her kind of whispering. Cause I'm not sure if her hearing was entirely great or not, Got but, it. Yeah. um, but it was a real, it was, it was worth the almost three hour drive to do. <laughs> and I'm doing, um, yeah, I'm going to see, uh, Sabrina with Humphrey Bogart, Audrey Hepburn and William Holden mm. next week at the Kirby, which is kind of like a vaudeville theater as well. It's single screen. Oh yeah, yeah, and it what it worked as a movie house for decades. I think starting it was the Paramount, wasn't it? It was a Paramount of before that was the Comerford. That's right, it was the Comerford. Holy and, shit! Um, yeah, and I believe their fir- what was their first? I want to say Yankee Doodle Dandy was the very first movie they showed, but that's not right because it was an Alice Faye movie. I remember it was an Alice Faye movie, and I can't remember <laughs> the name of it now. But oh, that's um, gonna bug us. Yeah, well, um, Sabrina. I haven't seen Sabrina in forever. I've um, never seen it on the big screen. I actually watched mm-hmm. both versions of Sabrina for the first time during quarantine. Okay. Um, I love both. Mm-hmm. But the uh, when I saw the Audrey Hepburn's version was screening my ass was going it's gonna be in one of those seats <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. if if you don't particularly mind i may join you guys not at all no thank, thank you uh I, i'm i'm really excited i'm trying to see if i can get a group together of people who have never seen it or you know just oh, come on take like along fun. to the movies yeah, we'll do Ghostbusters on Thursday. <laughs> <laughs> of course, we're doing go- yeah, Ghost. But we, I can't believe we're finally getting really close to the ghost- release of Ghostbusters Afterlife, which I was lucky enough to see at New York Comic Con. I will admit, I know. Give me the finger. I absolutely deserve. I, I was just like <laughs> stretch, and then the moment you said that, the finger Man. came down right in front of him. I know. Hey, hey. Uh, n- I knew year- it was coming too, and I told you that. I know. Hey, he was just like, how could I? I didn't know. I'm like, I knew, and I fucking wasn't there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so this is my formal public apology for not calling you back like at 7.30 when the panel was supposed to end. But I was in the middle of seeing Ghostbusters. I knew you were, too. Yes. I, I knew I think it. We bo- ta- I think we talked yeah. about this, though. I knew it way um, before 7.30. Yeah. And here's my. But uh, I'm excited to see it again. And I, and this is something again. I, I know that sounded like a shitty name. Drop. It really did. But this is something I talked about uh, when I was on Loud and Nerdy uh, with JW uh, earlier this week, um, filling in for Paul. And yay, JW asked, um, "Do you think seeing it?" in that situation with 2000 screaming fans and, and literally the literally the cast is sitting in the eye across the aisle from where I was sitting literally like you know 5 feet away from me does that color how you see the movie and i was like it absolutely very positively could have colored how i saw that movie i mean i was excited to see it anyways um and I, you know, I was excited. You're feeding off the energy of that room. Mm-hmm. It, it very well could have influenced my positive review that I've posted. That's why I'm excited to see the movie again, because I want to see it in a more traditional, you know, theater uh, theater situation with 
a couple of good friends next Aww. to me. Although I am kind of if I am a little bit worried that if I watch it again, like you know, in like outside of the way I first saw it, and it won't my, be as good. <laughs> and if it's not as good, I'm gonna feel a little bummed out. I'm gonna feel like I might have just tarnished that uh, that, that Comic Con memory there. No, but but I understand though. I I I completely understand. And that's something we'll talk about in the episode we talk about Ghostbusters. Yeah, of course. But right there, we've we have mentioned at least seven movies that we're seeing be that we have seen between last Friday and that we're going to see by next Friday. Mm -hmm. Two weeks. You know how much movie pass could have <laughs> fucking helped with the ticket prices of those movies. Mm -hmm. True. Now I will say this: if they bring um, ticket, or uh, ticket master, sorry, if they bring mo ticket bastards, uh, <laughs> that too. Well, those those guys, that's a whole other story. Um, <laughs> if uh, movie pass were to return, I don't see them going with that ten dollar a month price point anymore. I figure it would be twenty. I'm thinking twenty or twenty five. Okay. When movie pass was first founded. It was $30 a month. And that was back in 2011. And I hopped in when it was 10. Yeah. And that happened in what, 2017, 2018, somewhere in there? Yeah. And even if it was $30 a month, it would have been worth it. Yeah. Because right there, that's the price of three tickets. On average. Uh, on average. Uh, at our local Cinemark, yeah. the tickets are usually 12 bucks a piece. If you're doing it on Fandango, you're looking at, you know, tw 12 bucks a piece and then, you know, an extra two and a half for, like, the yeah. service oh, gosh, yeah. fee. Um, yeah, so, okay, 12, 14. Yeah, so you're at 24, 25 bucks right there. So to kind of... Like two tickets, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. And... Um, yeah, that's why I'm saying if it's between twenty and thirty dollars, it's worth it because mm -hmm. what was it? The original thing was well, at least for me, it was ten bucks a month, yep. and you could see a movie every single day. <laughs> now, okay, now it, admittedly, we get into screenings. I'll get certain things available to me on for online screeners as well. Mm -hmm. Um, and when I I was. Because right before I deleted the app out of my phone, like six months after <laughs> after it shut down, I was like, okay, time to delete the you app. You still have your fucking card. Shut up. I do have the card. Um, <laughs> I think I still have mine somewhere. I still somewhere. have my Blockbuster card. So what do you want? <laughs> you keep everything. You're a pack rat. I know. This is sad. <laughs> um, but I went back on on my app because they give you that history of the movies you saw. Mm -hmm. I saw 46 movies, 47 movies over the space of 23 months. It was roughly an average of two movies a month that I was using the uh, movie pass for. And when I'm, you know, also do, if I weren't doing screenings that we were getting into for press stuff, I would definitely be going to the movies a lot more. And it definitely would have been. You know, I would have been using it a lot harder. I would have been a power user, and they would have shut me down because <laughs> that's when they started getting crazy. But in a month, um, I think it was like a month, month and a half that I was down in Philly for um, training for a job, and I had my movie pass card. <laughs> I caught up with I think it was seven or 
eight movies within the span of like two and a half weeks. <laughs> you were a very familiar face at uh, the Ritz. It was worse in the Ritz East, weren't it, you? It was the Ritz. It was the Ritz East. Ritz mm-hmm. Five. Oh, okay. Not the Ritz at, at the Boers, although they had a wonderful doc about Hedy Lamarr that I I still kick myself that I missed out on. Oh, gosh, I need to see that. That's the one about her um, inventing uh-huh. the stuff that Wi-Fi is based on. Yes, basically. cool. Yeah, um, I've heard good things. And I was a familiar face. Mm. At, there was a couple of places, um, King of Prussia. Mm-hmm. The one at Plymouth Meeting, the AMC at Plymouth Meeting that you mm-hmm. can see from yeah. <laughs> the yep. Turnpike. And I've then there, there was one over by the Ikea store, too, where I saw Shape of Water. Okay, I, I know which theater you mean. Um, I don't think I've ever seen anything in there, but... Uh, that's um... where I, I saw that new Mutants poster, and I'm like, yo, dude, it was supposed <laughs> to be out six months ago. This has an April date on it you might want to take it down (laughs) here it is january of the following year (laughs) i have that original (laughs) of course you do new mutants teaser poster (laughs) through the courtesy of a friend of ours who used to work at one of the local theaters here and i love it because it's like you know it's the original release date not the nine changes that it went through honest to god getting a kingsman poster with the original date on it is like having a new mutants poster Mm -hmm. i when uh, one of our local theaters opened back up, I went down and I was talking with one of the the managers who I know there, and he was able – he didn't have a whole lot of, like, the big full-size posters, but he had, like, some of the smaller um, uh, promo handout fold post – little mini posters that you would get, like, on opening night and stuff. Mm-hmm. So I do have, like, the Wonder Woman 1984 and the Ghostbusters Afterlife with those original, like, early 2020 um, – I think you. Release dates. I think you have some of the merch from uh, No Time to Die from like its first round. <laughs> I I got a few things. We'll just leave it at that. Um, but no, yes. I'm. There were definitely some things that were postponed because of COVID. Actually, one of the things that helped me during COVID was um, season four of The Crown dropped mm-hmm. while we were in the middle of quarantine because I was in the process of painting my parlor <laughs> and also sitting down and watching Squabbling Between Charles and Diana. It was mm-hmm. great. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I came to the conclusion that Emma Corrin's performance of Diana is one for the ages. I have not seen a better performance and uh, I still hold to that even after seeing Spencer. Okay, so I guess we're getting right into our review of Spencer. You got to admit, that orga- was, that's a nice, yeah. that was a nice segue. Organically done. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> French chef's kiss there. Um, yeah. Okay, now I have not seen all of The Crown. I have not seen... All of season four of The Crown. I've seen two episodes that You've you recommended a, to me. Yeah, those that was so, all you've ever seen of yes, The Crown, which is sh- pretty much shame on you. Oh, uh, don't start. Uh, but I that was the worst raspberry okay, ever. Okay, so let's let's first kind of just talk about Spencer in its own bubble, and then we'll kind of look at how other people have portrayed Diana. And I want to actually kind of start this off with a question for you. Shoot, sunshine. Okay. Do you were very young when she passed away, when she died. Yes. Okay. Um what that was what, 90, 98? 90, 97 or 98. 97. Yeah, so you were like two or three. Yeah. Um 
Do you have any memory of that time or, you know, and that thing? Or is all of your experience with Diana as a figure on the world stage kind of a past tense they're a historical person because I have no living memory of them. I do get flashes of some things, even though I was probably only about three. I was somewhere between two and a half, three years old. But I do get flashes of things like my first movie of Saving Private Ryan at the movie theater. I was three in the back seat. It was driving. Mm-hmm. Parents thought I was asleep. Um, <laughs> and walking on a beach at Atlantic City looking for seashells. And yes, Diana. Okay. Um, I remember seeing some of the news footage of that. There, there are definitely some things that morning, almost like a national morning, worldwide morning. There mm-hmm. were three events that I remember pretty well. Um, Diana, 9-11, Pope John Paul II. I sat through the entirety of Pope John Paul's, all of it. <laughs> of the of his funeral? No, or... uh, through all of it. So it wasn't just the funeral. It was the, the conclave of the cardinals trying to pick the new pope. It was everything. I sat there with my grandma and my, my mom. And actually, there were a couple times where I was just like, I, I need a break. <laughs> and I went outside and I kicked the ball around for a few minutes and then came back in. Because I was raised Catholic, you have to sit there through that shit. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) um, But no, Diana definitely, it hit a lot of people really hard. Yeah, it's it's weird that I've never quite fully understood America's fascination, well, some portions of America's fascination with the royal family. Um. I yeah. To me, I'm like, well, didn't we fight a war about this two and a half centuries ago? Now it's the fairy tale oh. idea. I, I guess so. Yeah, the fairy tale idea, and in a weird way, it's a kind of an a warped version of the American dream of you want to grow up, you want to become rich and successful, and with a big house. True. And she gets one of the biggest houses. And if if you want to be technical, we have in our own way, the president for us is. Almost like our our version of the royal family, but there are levels to be had. I think mm-hmm. the closest that America ever got to having a royal family um, might have been during Camelot uh, oh, with John F. Kennedy and Jackie. Definitely. Yeah, it, that definitely had that feeling of everyone's fascination with the royal family, and also ended in a certain level of tragedy. Oh, yeah. Um, when when John F. Kennedy was shot and killed, mm-hmm. which I, I find it we're, ve- we're coming up on the anniversary of too. Yeah, like next November twenty third. Yeah, uh, only remember because it's also the same day Doctor Who premiered. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that <laughs> is the for that. weirdest thing. That yeah. is the weirdest coincidence. But mm. but um, I do kind of find it uh the, the coincidence interesting that the director of Spencer. His previous film was Jackie with Natalie Portman, mm-hmm. um, which follows uh, post John F. Kennedy's death and how it affected Jackie Kennedy. Um, both about strong headed women who are essentially a part of their country's royal family. True. But they're also at a moment where they're. Well, 
they're separated um, emotionally or mm. in some way from the man they they loved. Um, obviously, <laughs> in Jackie and Nancy's cases, and um, the the fact that the the relationship that Charles and Diana had had just fell apart, and also dealing with the psychological consequences of that situation mm-hmm. and of that situation being so public mm-hmm. and you know and they're both both of these characters like you said strong women they're both at a fulcrum in their lives where they know they have to do something and they don't know what it is and we're watching that decision process happen yeah I, I think it I think it's absolutely beautiful how those two can be compared to each other and also mm-hmm. be held at their own standards. Um, I, I think a lot of people really loved the idea of Jackie because she was. Uh, Jackie and Diana share also similarities in their personality um, of warmth and and life and just kind of being down to earth touchable mm-hmm. and um a lot of what i see a reality to that fairy tale. yeah exactly um yeah it doesn't feel like it's held completely on high on a pedestal and that's something that the the crown especially even more so than spencer deals with is that they come from the past vision of the royal family which is we are held up here on a pedestal. They, the, you know, people don't want us to be real. They want us to be separate. It's kind of like a weird omnipotence, uh, a god on high to be worshipped want, almost. Not, I don't know if it's worship, but at least something to aspire to. They're yeah. an inspiration, and I can a see, figure, yeah, and not I a can person. see where that would weigh heavily on somebody not born into that yeah. situation. And... But I think also somewhere along the lines, people changed. And I think it was post-World War II, um, particu- and particularly after JFK's death as well. People wanted to see someone who was real, who was touchable, that made them feel some sort of kindness, some sort of ap- approval, appreciation. Mm-hmm. Um and Diana just being human, just, you know, uh, as we see in the final episode of The Crown when she's at William's uh, rugby game and she's just cheering him on from the sidelines. And you look at Charles standing next to her and he is like looking at the ground. He's not saying a word. He, he's he's ramrod straight in character, but he, he always has that weird hunch. To hunch. Him. Yeah. Yeah. So you can't say an actual physicality, yeah. but but he's just very like withdrawn and everything. And they don't really show a lot of emotion amongst the family, let alone to anyone who is not mm-hmm. a part of the family. True. Um, but I think in just the film, though, yeah. and just Spencer, they do a very good job of showing us her isolation by not having a whole lot of interaction with other people. Yeah, except the boys. Except the boys, yeah. I think they're the heart of this this film. Yeah, there's like one decent scene where she's with Charles. Yeah, and that's in the, the library. The library, uh, as they're standing across each other from the uh, on billiards the table. Billiards table, and it's a fantastic scene, and it's amazing because 
you know, it's just the two of them talking back and forth. There's no like there's no real blocking to the scene or yeah. anything like that. It's it's s- just in that performance right at that moment. And it's fantastic. It's a great sequence. Yeah, and you see how he can't hold her eye, that he's just very stern and kind of mm-hmm. looking out the window. And, and then you turn to her, and she's fidgety. Like, her hands are going on the edge of the table. Like, mm-hmm. she's trying to find a way to ground herself. But the little ticks of just how broken she is kind of still manage to come to the surface. Yes, Okay, and that kind of gets me. I want to get kind of get to Kristen Stewart's performance here. Mm-hmm. It's on one level, it's really great. Um, she's encompassing this character, and I think creating a, I think this po- this movie is more of a mood poem than it is like a straight biopic. Yeah. Um, I'm I kind of held off on looking, uh, but after we talk about this, I'm probably gonna fi- find some time to go and kind of poke around and see if there's anybody like you know a scholar on the royal family or something like that who saw the movie and then wrote something and said, well, this was factual, this wasn't, this seems to be inspired by these other things, or this was a condensation, a condensation of, you know, a couple of things. I don't know about the uh, historical side of it, but there was a security guard from Diana's Detail that came out a couple days ago and said that Kristen Stewart's performance is the closest to Diana that we've had. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. I'll I'll have to go hunt that down. Um. But there, a lot of that, you know, I was like, and I think about halfway through the movie, I was like, you know what? I'm not. I'm not really concerned if this is historically accurate. I'm. It's... I'm more fascinated by the fact that they're creating, like I said, a mood piece here to give us the idea of what she was going through. Not. Not. Technically accurate, but the feeling of how she felt separated. And then that's why we understand why she makes the decision when she does at the end of the movie. There was a a point, and I think it was um, at the first dinner sequence, where I actually had to shut the historical side of my brain off Mm -hmm. and start looking at it almost as a psychological thriller. Okay, I can see that because we suddenly are... And we don't realize it. We kind of slowly go into a um, a fantasy, a phantasmagoria mm-hmm. sequence, and we see her with the that green pudding like thing. And it's a soup of some sort. Yeah, yeah that soup, whatever. It at at one point when she, you know, the the pearls fall off the necklace and she starts eating the pearl and stuff. I was like, I I was reminded of. Peter Jackson's early horror film, Brain Dead. <laughs> and if, I don't think you haven't seen it, though, have you? I, I, no, I've not seen it, but okay. I am familiar with it. With that, okay. It, I am familiar with it in the way that I am familiar with Evil Dead without having seen it. <laughs> we need to fix all of that next Halloween. Oh. But there's there's a sequence in Brain Dead involving uh, the hero's horrific mother who is like halfway on her way to being a zombie. And she's like... <laughs> nastily eating this pudding and they're like like super close up on her i was like ah it's really disturbing (laughs) and part of me was like flashing back to that a little bit and and i liked the sequence and i think it kind of got us into her head too about why you know in part maybe why um 
you know, she was had the eating disorder. You know what it kind of reminded me of? It hmm. took me back, just the dinner sequence, took me back to watching um, Black Swan for the first time in the cinema. The moment where she stand, uh, Nina in Black Swan is standing in front of a mirror and she's pulling at the side of her finger and then pulls the skin all the way up the finger, rips it, and she's bleeding. Tries to wash it off, and there there was nothing ever there. Mm-hmm. And it's it was the same with the pearls. She thought she had ripped them. She was eating them. And then when you go down, we see her running to the bathroom. To she, Diana has bulimia. She's it's, going it's, to puke up the food. The pearls are still around her neck. Yeah, and that's kind of why I had to shut my brain off and go, the, "This is not historical." Now think of this as a psychological thriller. We're watching her psychological yeah, break through her a, eyes. This is her. This is a visualization. Yeah. of her internal thoughts about her own body dysmorphia mm-hmm. issues, things like that. And I love the idea of using um, the pearls are more than just pearls in this. They are her a symbolism for her being possessed by a person, mm-hmm. uh, being uh, controlled. It is well, a collar. Yes, exactly. I was gonna say there. It's a thing going around her neck. It's obviously it's a collar. It's but the the idea that he also gave Camilla the exact same one. Mm-hmm. There is that idea of possession. Not so much it's choking her and na da da. No, it's your mine. Yes. Yeah. And um I I loved that motif being used throughout this film. Uh, so much so that she is asking the the servants if I off if I gave them to you, would you take them? It's like, not the pearl's fault. Yeah. But and I hate that line. It's not the pearl's fault. It's it's a weird moment of of acceptance of this is how it has to be. So I'm just going mm-hmm. to take it. I think she has to kind of accept what her role what her position is now, not her role or what her place. She she is currently she walked into this situation to be married into the royal family and perhaps had some stars in her eyes and thought, you know, Fairy the tale. fairy tale yeah. and everything, and this fairy tale was not having a happy ending for her, and she has to kind of go. I think that's her going. It's not the pearl's fault, you know. It's not the glamour. It's not the the trappings around me's fault that I'm miserable. It's my fault because I went into this and I didn't realize that Charles was perhaps psychologically incapable of showing a lot of love or being. Um, faithful or expressing emotion properly because he had a mother who had no ability to express emotion true so so i think what we're seeing though is you know again i keep coming back to this kind of like tone poem idea and this mood piece and it's fascinating film work Mm -hmm. um and it's all sitting on Kristen's. Very, very defined shoulders. <laughs> very capable shoulders, too, yeah. Yeah. Um, there was a couple of other things, though, that I really liked. Like, the the movie opens with um, the opening up of the the winter residence there. Mm-hmm. 
and oh. the military coming in yeah. and delivering the food. And that was something I had never thought about. I never thought about, okay, uh, who runs the kitchens and who does the grocery shopping for the royal family? The military comes in and they have great food and it's all in these um, big military ca- you know, cases that they put up on the thing and they open up. And obviously the military has to be involved because it's a security issue. Yeah. It's the most basic security issue imaginable. I mean, we all know that, you know, in the medieval times they had royal food tasters and stuff, such. Something like that had to have come down through the ages to now. So when and you think about it, does the president have that exact same thing? Most likely. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I would assume so. I'm assuming so now. Yeah. I'm not, it's not like the I've head, always known about not this. Not like the head White House chef is like, okay, it's <laughs> Tuesday. I'm off to Wegmans to do the groceries. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm taking three guys. I'll give them a list. And yeah, then we okay. meet back at the register okay. in 15 minutes. Yeah. You, you're in charge of uh, breads. You go get the vegetables. I'll go look at the meats. <laughs> we'll I meet mean, back here. Yeah, it's not like you can get foie gras at freaking Wegmans. You can uh, you can special order it, but God Almighty, it takes forever to get in, and it's super expensive. When I was living outside of Philadelphia, uh, the Wegmans in Downingtown had a caviar stand. Oh, they have caviar here at ours. Really? The, no, but- no. I mean, like this was manned. While the store oh. was open, and they had like a couple of small fridges underneath the counter, like if you, and it was like a freestanding thing, so like if you walked around, you know, behind the counter, so you could sort of see the other side, and they had like locked fridges with like the expensive caviar. It was, yeah. I need to go there. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean they they have some at our local one near the the deli and the olives. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, so I, they I have know. a whole section there with the uh, yeah, oh the but, liver pate. Mm-hmm. Oh. But but then you see like the army guys march out of the kitchen, and the chef and all the sous chefs and the prep chefs and everything march in. Literally march. Literally. <laughs> it's not like they're just like shuffling and like, okay, time to go to work and make the donuts. It was, um, you know, very, it felt very military. And they're like, okay, you can't talk. We do this very quietly because they could hear us, blah, 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 blah. And it was, it was the idea that something as simple as having a meal is so regimented and there's such a tightness and tradition almost about it mm-hmm. because it wasn't like the army guys kind of just came in and you know heaved up the uh the boxes onto the counter and then just like shuffled out it was like two you know each each box had a guy on each end they took the two steps forward lift boom and then they took the two steps back it was, it was as militarily precise as if you were changing the guard at the tomb of the unknown soldier. I know. It was rather it was, impressive. Yeah, it was impressive. And I was like, part of me is like, ugh, oh, God, I could never do this because I'd be just like, guys, what are we fucking doing here? I, I, I can't bring myself to do that kind of rigorous, um, regimented um process you also have a problem with authority well yeah that's true too (laughs) (laughs) let's leave my day job out i was gonna say Um, as proved by the fact that you're having a fight with upper management about the heat right now you went in today in your coat sweater and galoshes (laughs) for a video chat team chat i know it was hilarious everybody laughed though everybody including my boss he he was like okay i got it okay (laughs) but um yeah so so even even with all of this we're seeing how regimented her life was and um 
Well, five. And, and it's 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 a great mood setter. It's well, a great mood setter. Yeah. About five minutes in, uh, when we, she's driving herself to, um, I think they were at Sandringham, correct? Uh, I guess so. Yeah. And uh, she had gotten lost, and the chef and someone else finds her and goes, "Where's your security detail?" And he's just like, "We were handing out presents somewhere, and I slipped out the back door, and I just kept driving." You want to talk about regimented? The fact that you feel like you need to flee your security detail. Yes. Yeah. That's that was also mind-boggling to me. I was like, "Holy crap, really?" And I mean, there's an there's an interesting scene where you know she she pulls over at that roadside cafe for directions, that was and she brilliant. walks in, and everybody's like, oh "My God, it's Diana." Yeah. me, it's Diana. You know, they they <laughs> couldn't even speak. It's yeah. just it's like I got completely turned around. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's and I think that you know because everybody's literally just like absolutely dead quiet, and they're just kind of looking at her. And I think that it's if a real any, if, moment. Yeah, it's a it's a mo- it's a real moment. And I hope I hope it's kind of based on something real. But even if it's not, it's great. It's indicative of again, she can't go out in public without having that um, distance, that separation from other people because of how they view her. Yeah, and and the thing about Diana is that she is a person who needs that connection to survive. She is a very social person, not even so much social. She has this warmth to her that she also needs to feel reciprocated. Mm -hmm. Um. And being in an area where it's extremely regimented, where it's extremely cold, where emotions are are not are are seen as the enemy, it's not the right environment for her to thrive in. It no. will kill her. No. And then I don't. I don't know. That what, was not a pun. Intended. No, no, no. I I know what you mean. Or um, and I you know, there was a lot of. I don't want to get into her death. I mean, it was a tragedy. And I, and I dare say it was again because of her fame, because they were trying to you know get away from the paparazzi, and you know there's a lot of blame there, and it was just a tragic situation that uh, you know it's kind of hard to kind of get into or discuss. Um, and I don't think the movie meant to you know kind of comment on that in, in any way that I see. Um, um, you know, I think the movie kind of gives her her freedom at the end. And, you know, she and the kids take off and they go get KFC, K- KFC and they sit, you know, on the side, you know, Thames side on a park bench and eat Kentucky Fried Chicken. Late Christmas day, it feels like. It, uh, it was past that. It or was, was, or was it Boxing Day? Was, were we at Boxing, boxing day? day? Okay. Um yeah, that's the other thing I liked about this movie. This movie was a very condensed set of time. It's like three days, mm-hmm. you know, Christmas Eve to Boxing Day, I guess. And um, that also kind of, you know, it's a crucible time for her as a person. And instead of like doing a long, drawn out, you know, you know, story of like five years of her life across two hours, mm-hmm. I think it really kind of dug into that moment and got to show us her, or at least a version of her. Yeah. You know, based on what we know, there has been a, a resurgence of fascination with Diana, and I think it partially has to do. It started definitely with um, 
the the crown uh with season four of the crown coming out where within a span of a year we had you know that we had oh god diana the musical we Mm -hmm. had yeah that's the one thing i meant to like do i want to watch this on netflix or not you're making a face did you did you actually watch any of it i've seen bits and pieces enough to know why it closed so quickly um how do you you end that show I don't want to know. I don't want to know because you know <laughs> any 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 kind of ending is either going to be in an in incredibly poor taste or kind of like a false note of happiness. Oh, she's happy, and 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 yet you're still walking out of there going, hmm. It's like ending, it's like ending a romance set on the Titanic five minutes before the iceberg hits. You know, it's like oh they got together, that's great, and then you know and. <laughs> And you know, as you fade out, even, ti- from- even Titanic the musical had the the guts to go through the actual sinking. <laughs> true, true. Um, um, there was Diana the musical. There was um, there has to have been at least two, if not three, documentaries that have come out this year. Mm-hmm. We got Spencer, and then sometime next year we're getting season five of. The Crown. Yeah. Well, next year also is... Also about th- three or four years back, we also got uh, the Naomi Watts Diana. Mm-hmm. Next year is the um, 25th anniversary of her death. Maybe that's why. It yeah. could be, yeah. Um, that feels like an important number. Yeah. Um, I Weird digression. I remember that day because I was in New York City with some friends at a Godzilla convention <laughs> And um, I am not surprised at the uh, revelation. Okay. They're not up on the wall right now, but you've seen the framed um, autographs I have of the first two Godzilla suit actors. Yeah. Th- those were gotten that day. And I got home. You know, I was like, oh, my God, I just met these guys. You know, I bought some cool bootlegs um, and I kind of flopped on the couch and I turned the TV on. Mm-hmm. And that was the news. I was like you know, seven, eight o'clock that evening or whatever it was when we got home. And, you know, you know, obviously that dominated the rest of the weekend uh, yeah. was that coverage. I, like I said, I vaguely remember the actual event. Mm-hmm. Um, my first full experience with what happened post Diana was the queen with Helen Marin. Okay. And okay. how the royal family reacted mm-hmm. to the situation and how they had to deal with it uh, publicly and how it almost damaged the monarchy, period. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I'm just finding it fascinating how, you know, some I of us who had to rewatch that, actually. Some of us who, you know, lived through some of that. And, you know, maybe I wasn't paying as close attention, you know, I was like, you know, when they got married in 85. And 84, 85, so I was like in high school, I didn't care. Um, I th- Actually, I think that royal wedding was in the summer, and I was at Boy Scout summer camp that week or something like that. That's starting to ring a bell. It's nothing I really thought about uh, in forever. And I'm starting to think, I remember being at scout camp for something and missing and missing something big like that. And it might have been that. But You want to know how absolutely skewed um my schooling was for president barack obama's inauguration Mm -hmm. out of the seven periods i had every single day three of them were showing the inauguration but when harry uh when william and kate got married it was on in every single classroom (laughs) 
<laughs> That's crazy. So what but, it, it, you want to talk about the idea of a no, fairy tale? That was it felt like that's what they were trying to show us. Mm-hmm. Okay, but but I'm I'm just I just want to get back to the idea though that you know some of us live through it, some of us are experiencing it only through like documentary and um, fictionalized versions mm-hmm. of that. And uh, you know I'm that's nothing new. Other people have you know lived through you know we're old enough to live through the JFK years and then. Somebody who was born six years after it, like myself, you know, only understands JFK through the movie Profiles and Courage and Seven Days in September, or whatever the and one JFK. is about, the, you know, about the Cuban Missile Crisis and and JFK and things like that. So it's it's interesting to watch, you know, on that the other half of that divide now, watching our our cultural, our pop culture try to wrestle with um with her and her the, legacy her legacy her life and um well what what how that affected other people i think part of the problem is another thing that kind of circles around to diana in our current you know wrestle with the royal family mm-hmm. is People are still coming to terms with the fact that Charles is now married to Camilla. Mm-hmm. And even more so, history repeating itself sort of with Meghan and Harry to a certain extent of how she was isolated from the family and, and her love from the people. Mm-hmm. And and I, I think, um, I, think Harry... Kate, I think Kate was originally supposed to be the people's princess. And instead, when Meghan came in, Meghan took that mantle. A bit whether intentionally or not yeah you know a lot of times it's the public that decides this and then the people involved get pissed off because they and they blame that person when they had nothing to do with it and that's what we see here as yeah and as you saw in in the crown were the same thing Mm -hmm. in on the australia trip yes where it was oh if it wasn't for the people choosing who they love more that marriage on that trip would have been fine yeah and, and 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 it's just something you know we're going to continue to see. I think. Speaking of, you have seen both portrayals from Eva, Emma Corrin and Kristen Stewart mm-hmm. uh, fairly recently. Who would you say gave the the better performance on that? Oh, that's tough because I think they're giving different types of performances. How so? Um, in the Crown, I think there's. There's a little bit more of relationships, how these different uh, characters, and I'm going to call them characters uh, Mm -hmm. rather than people here, uh, how they interact and how that informs the public versions of themselves that we see. Okay. Okay. What's happening over here in Spencer is more of a portrait of a person at a specific time and just that you know a very short period of time where we get where they make that decision to you know to go in a different direction with their life and Kristen Stewart is basically giving us through her performance everything that led up to that moment and then 
kind of shuff, showing us where that that person is going to go. Whereas on the crown, they're they're not they're they're doing that all chronologically. They're not kind of giving it to you all at once. Yeah. They and, definitely spread yeah. it so, out. So. so I think those are two different types of performances there. Um, Kristen Stewart is playing the the weight of everything all at once. The crown lets that build. Emma, yeah, Emma can build that yeah. over and time. They're both really good. But maybe we just have to take the word of that person from Diana's uh, <laughs> security detail that you mentioned before. And yeah. just like Kristen Stewart has it nailed. Um Will she have it nailed for the Oscars? Wow. Um, I hope <laughs> That's so. That's a good segue. I, I want to see her in the, the conversation there. Yes, please. I, I, I'm looking forward to, you know, her finally getting her due and people going, that girl from Twilight who who apparently would flip her hair every time she was upset is our front runner for Best Actress? I really just want to, like, between this and Batman – in March, I really hope we have put Twilight behind us forever when talking about these two actors. Um, a whole new generation is just discovering Twilight for the first time. Fuck. <laughs> so uh, I, I know through TikTok, it's been crazy the amount of impersonations and all that have been coming up. But I think they're being viewed through the lens of seeing what these actors have done recently. Mm-hmm. Because that's what they were exposed to first. Okay. okay. Whereas I think it's the older generation who are going to have a little trouble giving up their preconceived notions. You you may be absolutely right there. <laughs> and um, I think that's a good place to call it quits for today. <laughs> Wrap it up for today. Yeah. Yep. Remember, you can find us online at bigpicturepod.com, and we are now available on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. So either use the link in the show notes post or head directly there, search and hit subscribe. And if you like what you're hearing, please leave a positive review because that always helps us connect with new listeners. We'll be back next time with more news, analysis, and reviews on the Big Picture Podcast. Anybody who can't jump with